Hello, hello, and welcome to the Pick and Play podcast, where today we're going to be breaking down what was supposed to be strictly NFL. Uh, NBA had some late breaking news yesterday. So today we're going to cut through the Ravens-Steelers, which happened yesterday. Uh, NFL COVID protocols try to shine some light if you if you don't know what and how they happen. Um, and then we're going to take a walk through the upcoming matchups uh, and, and what they could mean for the playoff picture as we turn the corner. But first, trade last night, Leo. What do you take? That's crazy. I mean, we saw rumors of the, the John Wall-Westbrook trade uh, around the draft, I believe. Uh, I remember seeing the rumor. When that yeah. ticker came across my phone yesterday, I wasn't shocked. But, wow. You know, I, I, who do you think won the trade? Actually, before I give you my thoughts, who, who do you think won? Well, Is this, there a winner? Um... Houston's the loser uh, because I believe that this is just one part of their rebuilding structure. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they they go, oh, we're we're good with um, you know, Wall and Harden, and that's who we're kind of gonna go with. Um, Harden, Wall hasn't played in two years. I really look at this as a way that they're just picking up a first round pick. You know, like this is the first step of the rebuild. I I don't know that that's the way I look at it because I. From a Wizards perspective, you're just trying to make the playoffs, which I think this helps you. I mean, when you're talking about the two players, Russ, who doesn't look like he's ever gotten hurt, and John Wall, who hasn't played in two years, you kind of have to go from the Wizards perspective. You gave up a first, but if you're going to push the playoffs with Beal and and Westbrook, and you definitely will push the playoffs with those two, uh, th- then this is a win for you. And if you look over at Houston's side, you say, well, you definitely, um, you, you know, you definitely didn't get better, okay? Did you get necessarily worse? We're going to have to wait and see a little bit. But I think that you, when, you, when you look at it as a grand picture, the Wizards now can make the playoffs. Houston, we don't know if you got any better. And we also don't know if Houston, this is step one. Not even step one. Step one with Dan Tony, step two, Maury, step three, Westbrook, step four would be Harden. So we'll see. I I think that Wizards won this trade because they're gonna make themselves a playoff team, and Houston's facing down the barrel of uh, a massive rebuild. Yeah, I agree with that. So with when it comes to this deal, I kind of feel like they're there really is no winner to me. I mean, they, they have similar contracts. So in terms of salary cap, nobody really did any, neither team moved the needle at all because their contracts are both very big and end around the same time. But like you say, with Washington, I think it's kind of interesting because they have a, a young team that has potential, you know, and I think that a player like Westbrook might be something that they need to kind of unlock some of the potential on that roster. You know, Westbrook's not a guy who's going to shoot 40% from three, so you need to surround him with shooters. If he's not surrounded with shooters, you're going to have a tough time. And in Washington, they have Bradley Beal, they have Rui Hachimura, they have Davis Bertans, and Thomas Bryan, I believe, is going to be their, their starting center. All four of those guys I just mentioned can hit the three ball. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what Westbrook looks like in that system. He's back with Scotty Brooks, his old coach in OKC. I'm sure that Scotty Brooks is, you know, he's familiar with Russ and is going to put Russ in the best positions to succeed. And so I think that 
in Washington's perspective, I understand why you make that deal because you've been waiting on John Wall for a couple years now. Go ahead and get Westbrook, who for the most part hasn't suffered any major injuries in a couple years. I know you had that meniscus of maybe four or five years ago, but he's he's been relatively healthy. But from Houston's perspective, I feel like a lot of people are kind of writing it off. Like, yeah, this is Houston starting the rebuild or this is the continuation of tearing it down. But if you look at their moves this offseason, it really looks like to me that they're trying to retool around Harden and give the the roster a different look than they had in the past. With D'Antoni and Maury, you know, it was the small ball, you know, threes and layups, all that. Now this offseason, they get rid of that philosophy who knows what uh, silas is going to bring their new coach I, I don't know what he's going to bring to the table but now they have boogie they signed christian wood they have john wall this team's going to be very fragile because you know with john wall and boogie they haven't been healthy neither of them have been healthy since like 2017 or 2016 but if they can stay healthy the bones are there for houston to be a decent team i don't think we can just write them off we need to see what John Wall has. I don't think you can write them off, but when you look at the rest of the West, um, and also the reason why, I think that a lot of people go, oh, Maury wants to build a small ball team. I think Maury built that small ball team because that's the style that best fit Harden. Um, I, I, he, remember, when he got to Houston, uh, they needed a star. They went and got one from OKC, And they really took OKC's sixth man in James Harden and turned him into a superstar. I don't necessarily look at it as Maury has a one-track mind. I view it as that was the best way to highlight Harden's abilities. So, then I... I think that the focus is really, you know, with, with Maury, I think that the focus was getting shooters on the floor, right? And yep. so how many big men can you find that can, you know, hit a reliable three? Not too many. And and the ones that do exist aren't easily available. So what do you do? You go small. And so yep. you, you can still spread the floor and give Harden what he needs. But with Boogie, Boogie can hit a three ball. Christian yeah. Wood can hit a three ball. You know, so they got bigger, but they didn't cramp the paint too much for Harden. I'm bigger on Wood than I am Cousins. I don't think we're going to see any form of Cousins that's uh, that looks like former All Star, all at you know, all 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 time, you know, not all time player, but uh, the no, caliber, the you, caliber of he's player. He's not going to be an All NBA guy again. And I don't, I don't think he's going to be relatively close. I think you could get great. I think you can get solid production out of him. But here's what you're counting on if you're the Rockets. Boogie, who hasn't played in two years, oh, we need, we just need him to be healthy. Okay, that, you know, hasn't been healthy in two years. We'll see. And then you turn around and you have, um, uh, you know, on the other side, you go, oh, well, John Wall hasn't also played in two years. But if he gets healthy, you know, watch out. And you go, okay, so now two of my five starters haven't played in two years. And I'm going to rebuild this. I, I, you know, and, and that's what we're going to rely on. The West is uber competitive this year. I don't know what you're going to get out of it. Um, I also think that when you look at what... Uh, I also think when you look at what uh, Harden... You know, the reason why they brought Westbrook in was because of Harden. So... 
you know, you bring in Westbrook. Harden goes, oh, I want to play with, uh, I want to play with Westbrook. So you bring Westbrook in. Okay, a year later, that doesn't work. Now there were rumors that Harden wanted to leave. There were rumors that Harden, um, you know, what, what wanted. Uh, more pieces around him. He's kind of already getting his way. And so now you go, okay, well, we're not going to trade you first. Let's adjust with other pieces around you, trying to make you happy. That way, I really think these moves could alienate Harden. John Wall and Boogie are real good friends. If they both are healthy, I'm not sure how much, um, I'm not sure how much, uh, team or cohesiveness Harden's going to feel if John Wall and Boogie are both feeling themselves. So if John Wall and Boogie are both feeling themselves, I think the other problem here with Harden is you go, well, you know, this was my team. You both are killing it. You're both good friends. I am not good friends with both of you. Now I'm alienated inside my own house. Um, I really feel like there's a there's a 10% chance this move is worthwhile, and then mo more more likely 90% chance Boogie never returns to form, John Wall never returns to form, uh, and the team is just not successful, and they have to trade Harden for a bevy of picks and future players to kind of soft rebuild again. But I really go, hey, look, let's say it all goes right. What are the chances the chemistry goes wrong? And, and that's where I go, I think your window for this to work well isn't actually that big. Because if it goes right, I think Harden's going to end up feeling alienated in his own locker room. Yeah, no, I, the, the concerns are definitely valid. I think with with Harden, I think that, you know, with John Wall and, and Boogie and Christian Wood and, you know, these pieces that they're putting around him, I think that this is Houston's kind of last-ditch effort yep. to, to make something work. And so you roll the dice because if if John Wall's healthy, if Boogie's healthy, I know those are big ifs. But if you know they do get that, then Houston's a decent team, I think. And if they don't get that, then they know that their run with Harden is probably over. They can sell him for to the highest bidder, you know, get all the picks, get all the, you know, get everything that they need to try and and kickstart a rebuild. And maybe John Wall is a piece that can kind of keep you afloat while you rebuild from Harden. I don't know. I try to spin it positively for Houston, but uh, it's really a big roll of the dice ultimately. So let me throw one last scenario on there. What if this is actually part of a master plan of Houston to rebuild and they don't view themselves as going to be able to compete anyway? But if Harden, if John Wall comes back and is healthy and Boogie or Boogie comes back and is healthy, what kind of trade chip are both of them so not only do you get a first round pick, but you could turn around and then ship out John Wall maybe for another first round pick or ship out Boogie for another first round pick in lieu of this rebuild. I just think it's got a very limited window to win, uh, to be successful, I should say. They do still have good players. We don't know about the coach. The rest of the West pretty much got better. Um, uh, not, not necessarily... Uh, I would say each team made some moves to either... I don't think many teams lost ground besides the Clippers lost some ground, and obviously Oklahoma City. But there are teams like Phoenix um, and New Orleans that are going to be players in the back end of this year. And Portland's going to be a better team. That I think Houston's now... Right now, I think Houston's fighting for the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th in a play-in spot. So we'll see. We'll see. There's no fans, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they pivot to. Uh, and it, it is a tantalizing piece of information to 
Uh, I mean, we're less than three weeks away from the start of the NBA season, so uh, we are getting down to the nitty-gritty. I will say one more thing about this. If Houston does end up in that eight, seven seed range in that range they're going to be one of those teams that you really don't want to have to play that in the first round yeah unless you're the lakers in which case you have no problem playing anybody right well if you're the lakers then you're fine yeah and and speaking of the lakers just shout out to anthony davis for signing that five-year max today He locked in the future you know I was kind of scared that he would do the the one year with a player option that LeBron and KD have kind of made popular lately but no he, they locked him in for the full five years I believe 190 yep. million uh, LeBron just redid a, a two-year extension on his so it looks like the Lakers are gearing up to make a run for the next three years at least yep uh, that was always the plan, and then Bronny's coming down the pipeline, so we'll see what happens there. He wants to play with his son, so... Yeah, I'm uh, sure he'll be gone once Bronny's in the league, if Bronny makes it to the league. Or Bronny will be signed by the Lakers, you know, and he'll stay. Like, that's all... This is all on the table for the Lakers. It's the Lakers' world right now. Everyone else is living in it. All right, let's flip to, let's flip to football. Let's do it. And let's start with the game that was weird as shit. The Ravens and Steelers game gets pushed back uh, to last night. It's an ugly, ugly fucking game. Ends 1914, kind of the way most people thought it would go. Uh, And there were some some notes to take out of the game. It looks like the Steelers star pass rusher Bud Dupree, who opposites TJ uh, TJ Watt, um, is out for the year with an ACL. That Honestly, out of everything to take away from yesterday... Two things. Bud Dupree's injury is huge. Huge. Two, the Steelers wide receivers, I think, had like eight drops yesterday. It was fucking crazy. Um, And you're kind of seeing some flaws in the Steelers team. We've seen them. You know, people say, oh, the most fraudulent 11-0 team of all time. Sure, whatever. You know, know, that's that's fine. Um, To me, you saw the Ravens team fought. You lost, so it doesn't really matter in the win column. The only thing I take out of it, Steelers wide receivers had more drops than I even know what to do with, and Bud Dupree getting hurt really hurts the Steelers. So um, besides that, I don't take anything out of the game. The Ravens now are hunting for a playoff spot. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, This is kind of where when they lost the first game, this is a lot of the same things I said. They're not going to win the division. Now they're hunting for a playoff spot. Luckily, the rest of the teams in the AFC are going to play each other, and we'll be getting into that a little bit later. Um, But for right now, any takeaways from the game? Did you get a chance to watch it? I did get a chance to watch it. I almost wish that I didn't watch it, though, because that game was ugly. Ugly. It was ugly. Yeah. I, I, I did think it was interesting that RG3, he looked, you know, RG3 is a mobile guy. We know that. But it looked like yesterday he wasn't healthy. So was he hurt going into the game? or No, he got this? hurt in the game. Okay, okay. Because I remember watching one rollout uh, where he, he runs for the first down and comes up limp. And I'm thinking, like, I know. You know, what happened there? <laughs> like, nothing. Nothing. Was that a hamstring? Was that a, an ankle? I, I don't know what happened, but uh, McSorley, he, he made some shake there at the end. He made it interesting, at least. Uh, what, what do you think about McSorley? You think he should take RG3 spot behind Lamar? Yeah, that, yeah. The quarterback I, spot might be important. I think that he should be behind Lamar. Well, I don't think Lamar is going to be ready to play. Oh, no, he'll be ready now to play Dallas because we play on Tuesday. But, uh, well, maybe. We'll see. But uh, I, I, I just... 
RG3 with a hamstring injury is not who I want running this offense. This offense is not a passing offense. It's just not designed that way. So Trace McSorley is going to have to get the snaps. I believe he will get the snaps if RG3 is still hurt. I mean, we play in five days. So that's my big takeaway. But luckily, we play Dallas, and I'm not so worried about playing Dallas. Um, they're a bad team with all backups as well, uh, and they're not coached well. So... Um, I think we're gonna. I think we'll have no problem with that. And, and honestly, the only thing I wanted the Ravens to do is get out of that game with any major injuries. It looks like they did that. Uh, they competed in the game, so that's all I can really ask for. I mean, that game was dead from the get go. Um, but there's there's a larger thing here with COVID, and uh, honestly, I think a lot of people. Um, I I'm more aware today that people struggle to understand and look for information. And and what I mean by that is... That's a very nice way to word that. Yeah. People like to make up realities that fit their narrative and then push them on baseless fact. And we'll clear some things up. Luckily, somehow through chance both of our teams had COVID outbreaks that pushed the nfl schedule all over god's green weekday now why did that happen when teams like the broncos just had to go play well the answer is really really fucking simple i this is gonna if you're listening and you 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 don't want just clear concise fact turn us off this is real simple. This is a virus that is transmitted very easily through airborne contact. Now, we, this is the NFL, has put in protocols that everyone is very aware of. You wear a ring, you wear a mask. The, the ring allows them to track who you've been in contact with and how close you've been in contact and how long you've been in contact with people. The masks, when they say, oh, you were wearing a mask, you had the ring on, you should be good. You're not deemed uh, in that like uh, uh, risk zone. Okay, so this is all, we know this. This is science, okay? This is math. You go, if you're within X distance of someone for X amount of time, you are deemed a close contact. And then you are put on the COVID list for a short-term period until you test negative. I think it's like four times in a row. And then you can come off the list. Okay, that's one. Two, you get COVID. Okay, well, anyone around you is now close contact if they fit into this little criteria of how close, how long, yap, yap, yap. Now, here's the distance. On the Ravens and Tennessee side of things, this outbreak happened where someone wasn't following protocol. They get the outbreak, and then the NFL and their, their scientists have a tough time determining, and team doctors have a tough time determining where the virus is. Now, they have all the data to show you who and what were near each other. The problem is, and that's why they send everyone home, right? If they send everyone home and everyone isolates... Now they can track everything easier. What happened with Tennessee and what happened with Baltimore is they couldn't identify where the virus was. Not who started it, but where it had gotten to. So they didn't want to bring everyone back together. 
as long as they were going, well, shit, if you show up tomorrow, you could get another 10 people sick. So in the case of the Broncos, they isolated it and said, we know exactly who has it. We know exactly, you know, uh, who was in contact. And they dove into it and they said, it's the entire quarterback room. Jeff Driscoll got it. Everyone else was around him. Oh, and by the way, for the Broncos case, we know for a fact that none of the quarterbacks were following protocol. And we know that because not only did the NFL say it, but Vic Fangio, the head coach, came out and said it. He said he was very disappointed that the quarterbacks put the team and the NFL in that position by not only not wearing their rings and not wearing masks, but then lying about it during the investigation. So the difference between when these teams get pushed back and teams that just have to fucking make do is very simple. Can we determine who will or should get a positive? See, the Ravens still had positives even though they said we're going to play Tuesday. You want to know why? The science told them that these were the groups affected. And as long as, you, as long as just these groups keep getting positives or these select individuals where they deemed high risk keep getting positives, well, that's part of the plan. When, when you know, your strength coach has it and he gives it to almost everyone, well, now you're in deep shit. And you're sitting back and you're going, okay, who has it? Once we identify all the players who have it, we can do contact tracing, and then we can start to figure out when you're going to play your fucking game. And I don't want to hear that, oh, the Broncos were at a disadvantage with the Ravens. Weren't 16 players on COVID for the Ravens at the start of the game. I don't want to fucking hear it. Pushing it back didn't help anything. Nobody who wouldn't have played, played. Um, so... It's really just basic fucking math for everyone out there. They allow you to play once they deem that they have identified all the individuals who could have it. Um, any of you who have seen The Dark Knight and The Joker, uh, they, the, he literally calls out this exact scenario. It's all part of a plan. If you have a plan and you know what's going to happen, well, then everything lines up, and that's how the NFL views it. Now, us on the outside... The NFL's not really telling everyone that's what they're doing. Now, they have through data. We're wearing the rings for this reason. We do the testing. They, they have given those statements. They're not rehashing them every week. People have forgotten that those statements are in place. So when you go, oh, the NFL's failing and they have no idea what they're doing, well, that's just not true. It's not, and I'm not taking the NFL side. I think they could do a better job explaining to the public their process. I'm just telling you the process that's going on and why your team has to play at a disadvantage while other teams seem to get bent over backwards to, you know, uh, uh, help the team out. Like, uh, like the NFL gives a fuck if the coach cries to them about things being unfair. The NFL doesn't give a single fuck about a coach. They don't, they never have. If they cared about a coach, they wouldn't have fined the Patriots and docked them draft picks for a deflate gate, which when you dive into the details, really left a lot to be desired as far as hardcore evidence. And if they gave a single fuck, they wouldn't have turned around and slapped Bill Belichick, the best coach that's ever walked onto a field. So I go into that diatribe to say that if you think that the NFL is catering to some teams over others, you're a fucking idiot. If you don't think that the NFL has some idea what they're doing with their uh, protocols, you're a fucking idiot. They do. This is how it works. The Broncos and some of these other teams that have played have isolated instances. They can normally track exactly how you got it and who your close contacts are. 
So I'll get off the soapbox, but I want everyone to understand that's why the NFL is doing certain things. It's not this whimsical, farcical idea. It's fun to make fun of the NFL. I get it. But there is actually a plan, and it is being executed. And they're going to play every fucking game, and they're going to avoid Week 18 if they can. So as long as it fits in that fucking box, you're fucking playing. And that's the end of it. I've got nothing to add there. That was beautiful. So that's that, that. That's the whole story on that. If you want to get a little educated, all right. Let's. The Broncos game goes about as well as expected. Um, they lose a game against the Saints defense. But the one thing I want to bring up about that game to touch on a little bit is Taysom Hill. <laughs> Your boy. Ah, uh, well, the Broncos weren't the only team without a quarterback on the field all day. Taysom Hill's a horrible quarterback. Horrible. Horrible. I think if you had, there were some people saying that Taysom Hill's a better Lamar. Honest to God, those people should be, like, just ridiculed into oblivion. If you had that kind of statement, and obviously look at the Steeler game yesterday with no Lamar, that offense looked terrible for the Ravens. Um, I really think that if you're Sean Payton, this is, this is one of the stupidest contracts ever given out. This looks horrible and I don't care if you're winning you would have won with literally any quarterback back there that's what we're saying and mind you it's also not like the Bronco the 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 Saints are beating really fucking good teams we just talked about how the Broncos didn't have a single starting quarterback like that's who Taysom Hill's beating and Taysom Hill's not beating them it's everything else around them in fact I'm going to tell you this with Taysom Hill that team and any other quarterback, remove Taysom Hill. Basically, Taysom Hill is now taking Kamara's snaps. Let me ask you one simple question. I'm going to hand the ball off. Why am I going to hand the ball off? Someone's going to run with the ball from the backfield. Who do you want with it? Hill? Kamara? I definitely want Kamara. And as someone who has Kamara in two different fantasy leagues, come on, Drew Brees. I need you, Drew. <laughs> I need Drew Brees because this man Taysom Hill's taking all of the goal line reps. All of them. All of them. And I get him down in the goal line. It's a little sneaky. Now you're playing hat on a hat. See, when you get down into a goal line and you go 11 man, you're going hat on a hat without a quarterback. If you got a quarterback in there who's more likely going to throw, let's say it's like a Phillip Rivers. And honestly, we've seen as they get to a goal line, Jake Jacoby Brissett comes in, Phillip Rivers goes out. And, and honestly, everyone can kind of thank the Ravens for that new wrinkle we've seen in the playbook from everyone this year is if you get down in the goal line and you go hat on a fucking hat and your quarterback can run and throw the defense is in a fucking shitty spot because if the quarterback gets you one-on-one all he's got to do is beat you for the touchdown if the quarterback has you one-on-one that also means that just someone else out there on his team has to win their one-on-one matchups and now it's a touchdown very tough situation Taysom Hill, though, can't throw. So when he gets down there and has the ball, I mean, I would rather Jason uh, uh, Winston, Jameis Winston down there. I'm sure he can fucking scramble a little bit. And he's a big boy. <laughs> and he can throw. So, uh, you know, by putting in Taysom Hill, what the Saints are doing is removing the ball from Kamara's hands and removing the ball from Michael Thomas's hands, all for a vanity project. And I'll never sign up for a vanity project that takes away talented players. Let me ask you something. Uh, you mentioned Jameis Winston. And, and so I saw a report a few days ago that 
that the Saints got fined big and lost a draft pick or whatever because after they beat the Bucks, they were in the in the uh, in the locker room dancing, celebrating, yeah. partying, no mass, right? Yep. Do you think that that celebration is the reason why we're seeing Taysom Hill and not Jameis Winston? Because if you saw those videos, Jameis was front and center doing his dance, eating W's, talking shit. Like, he was very prominent in that celebration. And then the NFL comes down hard on them. Do you think that that is the reason why he's not playing? Or do you think that the Saints just believe in Taysom Hill more? Uh, well, I think I, I honestly think it has zero to do with it. And I really go to their contracts um Jameis Winston's contract uh is uh, let's see Jason uh Jameis Winston signed a deal with the Saints to pay him 1.1 million dollars in 2020 okay that's that's good 1.1 million you obviously don't have much invested in that team let's look up Taysom Hill oh Taysom Hill's contract uh through the 2021 season that'll pay him 21 million dollars okay well there's my answer there's the whole answer uh, Sean Payton said that this guy was a backup quarterback at the age of 31, even though he had never played quarterback before in the NFL, and then signed him to a $21 million deal on a cap strap team. This must work for Sean Payton. It must. Or uh, you were looking at, again, a Super Bowl team that allocated resources poorly. Because you could have had Jameis for a million as a backup to Drew Brees. And then you could have spent $8 million this year on any other position. $8 million will get you an all-star player at almost any position. So, you know, I look at this as Sean Payton has to make this work. Or else people are going to, if they fall short in the playoffs, people are going to go, Sean, you fell one game short of making the Super Bowl again. And when we look at everything, when we break it all down, yeah, the ball rolled one way and other teams have bad contracts too. But you made this contract completely unprompted. That you were bidding against yourself. You like the guy, so you gave him a chance, and he should have been signing the $1 million deal. I don't think this has anything to do with anything other than what happened before the season took place. Sean Payton has to have this work. I only ask because when Drew Brees goes down in that game and and breaks his ribs or whatever happened to him, Jameis came in and, you know, he was the relief and and he was the backup quarterback and he played. And I just wonder why why change? You know, if Jameis was the emergency, if Drew Brees got hurt, how do we go from that to now Jameis is just chilling on the bench again? Yeah, I, I, you know, let's see if we can answer this by just taking a simple look at who they were playing. So in the um, the game that Jameis comes in, they're playing the 49ers, right? Was the 49ers or the Bucks? It was the Bucks. It was the Bucks. So it's a big division game. You needed to win it. I know you were up. Drew Brees gets hurt. You know who you put in to win the game? You put in Jameis Winston. The next set of games, they went, what, 49ers they played. They had Taysom Hill. Um saints or falcons and then bucks i mean broncos i don't know i think you really decided that when you looked forward on your schedule um don't be surprised if Jameis winston comes back and plays the chiefs after the falcons beat the saints this weekend um don't be surprised if that happens 
Uh, Taysom Hill allows the Saints to fall back on their defense and their special teams. That's what they're doing. A controlled game. Uh, They haven't really played top-notch opponents. Uh, I just think that that allows the Saints to kind of play their game um, while really not exposing much else. But if they want to win playoff games, they're going to have to start Jameis Winston because I don't believe Drew Brees is going to come back before the end of the year. Maybe he comes back for the Panthers game. But he got his whole chest deflated like you were popping bubble wrap. So I just don't know how fast a 41. You know, uh, I, I got uncles when I was growing up. And, you know, they twist an ankle and they're out for a couple weeks. Now, they obviously aren't world-class athletes. I get it. I get it. I get it. But they also didn't have their whole chest collapsed inward like a dying star. So, you know, I just don't know how far this... I don't think this team can win more than one playoff game with Taysom Hill. And I don't think this game can win more than one playoff game with Drew Brees. So I really look at it and go, I believe in order for the Saints to make it where they want to go, they're going to have to go with Jameis Winston. If you would have told me that the Saints season is going to lay on the shoulders of Jameis Winston before the season, I would have told you that they probably aren't going too far. But I think I agree with you because you're going to need a little more offense than what Taysom Hill gives you if Drew Brees doesn't come back. I wouldn't want to go into a playoff game with Taysom Hill as my starting quarterback. Yeah, and that's why I think it'll change. Let's flip over to the division. Well, one last team to talk about from the – well, two last teams, actually. We couldn't possibly go forward without talking about your Tennessee Titans. But first, let's talk about bedtime. Tom Brady, Bruce Arians. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks. I think I'm a little closer to things. Bruce Arians is a I'm, – I'm going to put this lightly. Bruce Arians is full of shit. He's just full of shit. Uh, I don't see where this man is doing any fucking thing to help out his quarterback. It's such a funny thing. Um, He's got this system he really likes. His system doesn't work with the quarterback. The quarterback has to work with the system. That's not a quarterback whisperer. You look at the list of quarterbacks he's had, none of them are spectacular. He's done some good things, and I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just feel like Bruce Arians gets this extra pad of love. And as the Buccaneers sit at, what, 6-5? and five? You with the so roster, I think they have seven wins, seven and four with the roster they fucking have. You're gonna sit there, six, uh, what is it, six, seven and, and five, actually. seven and they five. Have a bye this week. They have a bye this week, and maybe the bye helps them. But there is no reason this Buccaneers team has the losses it does. Seven, what is what did you say, seven and five? Five losses is a bit too much. You got crushed by the Saints twice, by the way. You got laughed off the fucking stage by the fucking Saints twice. That's your division rival. They punked you. You lost to the Bears, which I do not quite understand. You lose to the Rams, which now, in hindsight, you're like, you can't out-scheme golf. I mean, any good coach is beating golf. That's just what's happening. The teams that the Rams have lost to are generally the better coach teams. 
And then you lose to the Chiefs, which is understandable. But the Bears and the Rams losses, you're the Buccaneers. You really got to look at it and go, well, you know, at some point, I got to fucking blame the coach. And that's where I'm at with Bruce Arians. I'm not blaming Tom fucking Brady. I don't care how old he is. Um, yeah, he can't make all the throws, but you're not doing shit that he likes to do. Where is any play action? Where's the short passing game? Where's any of this shit? And just to walk through some of the teams that the Rams have beaten, I mean, that have beaten the Rams when we talk about, you know, I really say that if you can coach defense well, you can beat the Rams because Jared Goff is a bad quarterback, which I've been banging that drum for a very long time. Here are the teams the Rams have lost to for reference. The Bills, Sean McDermott's a great coach. Um, you, you've The 49ers twice. Again, you're just out-coached. And you've got the Dolphins who just out-coached you. So um, I, I really look at this and go, the problem is with Bruce Arians, if they can't just bulk muscle the win through and you get down to the nitty-gritty of the science of it all, they have no feel for that part of the game. I, I, I'm now looking at the Bucs. The bye week's going to be big and how they come out of it. If the Bucs don't come out of this bye week looking a little better, I don't even consider them as a team that could win a playoff game, even if you went up against the shitty NFC East. I mean, right now, if you put the Washington football team, uh, and I think the Washington football team is the best team in that division with the best quarterback, the best coach, and the best defensive line, if you put them up against the Bucs, I think you're going to have a really fucking good game, and I think you're going to irritate the shit out of Brady. So I I'm actually, like, really kind of turning the corner going, Bruce Arians calls his players out every week. Tom's got to play better. Fuck you, bitch. You got to coach better. You are doing a piss-poor job putting your players in positions to win, or they just need to execute. So says every losing coach. Every losing coach. They just did what I told them to. Shut up. Can't you come out and go, you know, the first thing's first. We can't call an offensive game plan to save our life. Second thing, our defense underperforms constantly because as a coaching staff, we put them in positions to fail, as seen by Tyreek Hill having 200 yards in a first fucking quarter. Well, he is not doing that ever game. What did you do wrong? And everyone called it out. The coach just put single high safety up there, single coverage on Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill nuked him over and over and over again. This was, the Kansas City Chiefs lined up offensively and said, I can't believe you dumb assholes are going to do this for us. And they <laughs> you know, did. Last week, uh, I remember saying that I thought that the Chiefs would just, the, the Chiefs receivers and passing game would be too much for the Bucks, but that is not what I thought was coming. Uh, you know, at the end of the first quarter, I had my phone in my hand Googling what the all-time single-game receiving record is. Yeah. In the first quarter, I was Googling what the receiving record was yeah. because I thought Tyreek Hill was about to break it. So, I mean, you touched on Bruce Arians and Tom Brady in the offense a lot, so I'm not going to rehash that. The defense is what's concerning me. Going into the season, I thought that this was going to be one of the better units in the league. Uh, I thought that the Tampa Bay defense, at the end of last year, they looked like they had figured some things out. Yep. And so going into the season, I thought it was going to be an elite unit. And it turns out they're in the bottom half of the NFC in points allowed and pretty much all defensive metrics. They cannot stop the pass at all. The teams are passing all over them. They, they're not scared of the corners back there. They're throwing deep often. Uh, we've seen we've seen this defense get carved up by all types of quarterbacks. And so when Mahomes comes in this week, it, it was pretty much expected that he was going to do that. But... 
I didn't think that Mahomes was going to whoop their ass like that. And if they're going to be giving up that many points, if they're going to be giving up that the big plays in the past game, then like you say, how how are we supposed to expect them to win a playoff game if if Tyreek Hill can go for two twenty in a first quarter in one quarter? Yeah. Like I, the, the defense has been a disappointment. I think the offense, you know, as much grief as we give them, they're still one of the higher scoring units in the league. It's just that defense can't get a stop. And they haven't been able to get a stop all year. And so it's getting a little late for them to be figuring that part out. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking about how Todd Bowles earlier in the year, you know, oh, does he deserve a head coaching job? No! Fuck <laughs> yeah. you! Here are the injuries to Tampa's defense. Here's their starters that are out. Because, you know, you could go, man... Maybe they're banged up. Okay, here, here's their list of starters that are out for the year. Vita Veg, end list. So you you have a perfectly healthy defense minus one player. What? Especially that player is really a, a big factor in the run game too. So the pass game stuff still doesn't. Still doesn't line up. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, so you know what the problem with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is? Here's a dirty little fucking secret. They're not good coach. They're not just, they're not well coached. Uh, how are they in, in penalties? Penalties are an easy way. To, penalties tell you one of two things. One, you're injured as fuck and you've got a bunch of backups in there. Okay? And those backups aren't as good as the starters. And occasionally, occasionally, they can lead to an increase in penalties. But normally, a high amount of penalties means you're poorly coached. Especially if it's year over year over year over year over year. Then what I do is I look at your record and go, well, if you're getting a lot of penalties and you're not winning games, I got news for you. You're not playing well on the field, and you're definitely not playing well in the win-loss column. So you're probably, you're probably a poorly coached and poorly executed team. So if we look at NFL penalties in 2020 by team, I mean, I'm willing right now off the top of my head to, to say that they're easily in the top 10. And it wouldn't shock the shit out of me if we look this up and I go, they're, they're towards the top. So let's see. Number I actually already have it up. I have them do you? at 12th as long 12th. as I know how to Yeah, I see 12th. They're tied with three other teams. Here are the teams they're tied with. Jacksonville and the Colts. So, you know, and, and, and there are some good teams at the top of the list, right? You have Cardinals at the very top. And honestly, I think Cliff Kingsbury is not a very good coach. They give a ton of talent. You have the Buffalo Bills up top. Uh, which you go, oh, well, Matt, you said they're poorly coached. Yes, but I said, look at the win-loss column, see how they're doing. After that, Actually, you... no, I don't know how to count. I'm sorry. They are top 10. They're 10th. 10th. And so you go, look, these teams, you, you see a lot of these teams at the top. Obviously, here's number four. You want to know who the last team, least amount of penalties in the NFL is? You want to know who it is? Oh, probably the Patriots. It's the fucking Patriots, okay? <laughs> so they're like the golden standard. The teams at the bottom, Patriots, Rams. Rams are a good coach team. They just golf is terrible and can be schemed against. Steelers are down there. Seahawks are down there. Packers are down there. Washington football team's down there. You know, teams towards the top. Kansas City is towards the top, which has always been kind of a thing with Andy Reid's teams. Um, you have teams like the Ravens that are very banged up, that have a lot of, uh, a lot of additional people, but... Right up there, you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They don't do anything to help themselves with uh, their penalty yards. Uh, they're not coached well. Um, this is a team that really needs the bye week to bring it together. Let's let's flip gears over to a team that seems to be peaking at the right time. Take it away. You're Titans. My boys. All right, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I saw this one coming. 
uh, I, as usual, the Colts game always makes me nervous. They have the Titans number for the most part, but I did expect that since this is the second matchup in three weeks, uh, they were tied for the division lead. I did expect the Titans to come out and punch them in the mouth uh, and see. You know, I, I didn't know if, if we would get the result that we wanted or at least that I wanted, but I did expect the Titans to come out at the beginning of the game and, and really throw some haymakers and see if the Colts were really up for it. It turned out that the Colts weren't really up for it. Uh, Derrick Henry ran all over them. And I actually, I heard a stat, and I don't know if I'm getting it right or not, but I think they said after the game that in the last two years, the Colts have only given up a 100-yard rusher three times. All three times it was Derrick Henry. Um, And so they come out, and I'm just going to read you how they started the game. They start the game with a 10-play touchdown drive. On their second drive, they score in four plays, another touchdown. Uh, on their third drive, they punt. They had a three and out. But then they go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown to end the first half. Yep. And and I, I didn't even know what I was watching at a certain point. Like, this Titans offense came out, and they were throwing more than haymakers. These were, these were Tyson hooks that they were throwing at the Colts, and the Colts just kind of looked like they didn't really want it that bad. Uh, in the second half, you know, the, they score a couple points and the, the Colts got a little bit going. But ultimately, the game was never close. And this was one of those games where I looked at the Titans and said, oh, shit. Like, if, if we can get that, <laughs> then, then this team is something serious. You know, this isn't just going to be a, a one-round team if that's how they're going to come out and play. And so I, I love to see it. Uh, the defense played great. The uh the, the offense scores 45 points, so, I mean, I, I have zero complaints. When you score on all but one drive in the first half, the game was over at halftime. You know, by halftime, I'm, I'm doing chores around the house. Yep. You know, I'm just kind of walking by the TV and looking at it to make sure that we're still good. It was a great feeling, man. It was a great feeling. The Titans needed this one badly. They're 8-3. and three, And now that I think they're in the driver's seat for the division. So we'll, we'll see how this season plays out, but... Man, seeing this offense and, and, and Derrick Henry, was it was a pleasure. And I do want to point out one thing that I thought was – or that I've been thinking has been interesting in the last couple of weeks. The offense is starting to, to introduce some wrinkles. I'm guessing they're getting ready for the playoffs. Yep. And so you're seeing a lot more of Derrick Henry catching balls in the flats and starting to run with it. Normally with Derrick Henry, the only catching he was really doing was on screen p- passes in the past. But – They've been swinging him out there and letting him catch on the run and, and run after the catch. And if, if Derrick Henry can do that, good luck. Yeah, it's it's definitely a team that, sh- that reminds me a lot of the old Baltimore teams, the way they play solid defense. Uh, they're a little different. They don't have the top-end defense that Baltimore used to rely on, but they definitely have better weapons offensively that they can rely on. Uh, but they are a gritty lunch pail team that weighs on you on the fourth. Um, I am really interested to see what it's like. It, who did Tennessee play next? Uh, the big thing for me to keep Cleveland. Ke- Cleveland um, the thing that the Titans have, this is, I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee. They kicked the shit out of the Colts. They beat the Ravens. Um, both of those games, the teams were missing the literal heart of their defense. Uh, the Colts were without DeForest Buckner. Uh, the Ravens were obviously without Clayus Campbell and Brandon Williams. This is a big, big problem. If you can't, and it's it's very simple. The Ravens didn't go out and get Calais Campbell for any other reason than to stop fucking Derrick Henry. Literally, that's it. That's why he was picked up. 
Now, he misses that game. The Colts didn't go out and get DeForest Buckner for any other reason than to stop the running game. And the Titans catch both these teams literally without that one piece. I am interested to see what it looks like as you go down the road because the Titans are so dangerous. I don't want to take anything away from the Titans. What I, The statement I'm making is very simple. If you cannot stop the middle of the Titans from running the ball at you, you will not win. If you cannot stop the Titans from running the ball at you, you cannot win. If you put the game on Tannehill, you can win. That's why the Titans like to turn. People go, oh, Derrick Henry really turns it up at the end. Well, Derrick Henry's get a better rushing lanes as well. Uh, and that's because the line does have some maulers on it. And if they can attack the middle and they can move your nose tackle out of the way and move your defensive tackles out of the way, if you give Derek, and I think Derek Carroll is one of the weirdest running backs in the world, he's not elusive. <laughs> it, is a, it, is an, uh, it is an unstoppable force. I feel like Derek Henry goes down in the backfield easier than any running back I've ever seen in my life. I feel like yeah. Derek Henry goes, at, once he gets past two yards from the line of scrimmage, it's either going to be a 10-yard run or he's going to the house. It is such a weird thing. And you know what that tells me? If they're winning the line of scrimmage and the line of scrimmage gets pushed back, meaning Derrick Henry gets that full head of steam, you lose every time. If you can't get in Derrick Henry's face, you lose every time. You can cut him down in the backfield. You cut that big boy down in the backfield. But that big boy gets a full head of steam hitting that line of scrimmage. And when that line of scrimmage is one and it's two yards past the line of scrimmage, you'll never beat them. I'll say that right now. Not, I don't think the Chiefs could beat that. If, if you can't stop Derrick Henry, this is a team that is just like the Ravens used to do. You get them in the playoffs. If they control the line of scrimmage, you lose the fucking game. And I think that the Tennessee Titans, I put up there in the elite three of the AFC. If you can't stop Derrick Henry, the game's over. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee. Those are the three teams. And I'll be honest with you. Obviously, one injury can change things. But as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, that team will dominate the line of scrimmage and beat you in the fourth quarter. He's been looking different lately. And I don't know if maybe he just enjoys cold weather more. Or I don't really know what it is. But the last couple games, for me, as someone who's watched every single Derrick Henry game of his professional career – he runs different at times there's times where he's hitting the line of scrimmage and it looks like only god could stop him yep but then there's times where i see him hit the line of scrimmage and it looks like ah, he said ah this play ah, whatever you know but in the last couple weeks you see that first step when he takes the carry it looks like he's on a mission and I don't, I don't know what that switch is. You know, I don't know how, where he flips the switch or how he flips the switch, or maybe he just likes the cold weather. I, I don't know what it is, but you can see it in his runs that he's been a lot more aggressive in the last maybe month, and it's resulting in some big wins. I think one of the big things that you're seeing is uh, for Derrick Henry, like we talk about when he gets hit in the backfield. And this isn't something I'm making up. You see it too. When he gets hit in the backfield, sometimes you're like, "What was that?" Like a corner takes him out. And you're like, meanwhile, with a full, you know, when he gets a yard past the line of scrimmage, that corner is running for his life. And it's such right. a, it's such an interesting dynamic. And I think the reason why Derrick Henry appears 
to run better against some of these teams. And it is, it's really been in the last two weeks. Uh, and it's because when they dominate the line of scrimmage, it's a lot easier for Derrick Henry to pick the spot he's running to and go. He's a, he's a north-south runner. So if your line is dominating, Derrick Henry doesn't have any of this pitter-pattering where, and that's why he gets held up and taken down the backfield sometimes, because if he doesn't see that lane, he's a big boy. He can't, he's not like a Le'Veon Bell who like sneaks behind the offensive line and then, you know what I mean? Then, and then oh, poof, there he is, right? He hits right. that hole, and if the hole's clogged, he, it's not a full head of steam. He's trying to wait for it to open up. To, to get that power going. And he doesn't have it, and he gets taken down. They've been able to play Indianapolis and the Ravens last two weeks without the interior of their defense. They have Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit coming up. All three of those should be easy wins. They finish the year with Green Bay and Houston. I think that this team, you're probably looking at finishing around 12-4. and 13-3 is going to be your, ceiling, your, your floor. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see that Sunday night game against Green Bay. I think it's week 15 or maybe week 16. 16, I think it is. I'm excited for that one because I I was a little nervous about that matchup going into the season, but now it looks like the Packers are one of the worst run defenses in the league. And so I, I want to see if the Titans can run the table. Yep. If, if they're for real, then like you say, there, there should only be one more loss on this schedule. Maybe Green Bay. Maybe. Green Bay may, I don't know. Green Bay might be, but the rest of those teams, you should, Jacksonville is going to get, you're going to beat, the rate at which you will beat Jacksonville will be one of the most disgusting games ever. Uh, Same with Detroit. But um, Cleveland. on Jacksonville, you see they bench Gardner Minshew. Yeah. They're going with Mike Glennon. They're trying. They are trying, trying to get the Jets to win a game. They are so (laughs) desperate for the Jets to win a game. They're for the Jets. That's what they're doing. They don't want any risks here. This is a get to the top of the draft. Maybe the Jets win a game. Maybe we can fucking squeeze it out. All right. Let's look forward. This weekend is kind of a poo-poo caca slate. So there's not a ton to break down. There are three games I really want to talk about. Browns-Titans. Rams-Cardinals. Bills-Niners. Those are the three games that I really have any interest in. The first one, Browns and Titans. Um, these are two teams that, uh, well, it's funny there. If Baker Mayfield was a serviceable quarterback, a serviceable quarterback like Ryan Tannehill is, I like Ryan Tannehill the way I like Alex Smith. I think that's a fair comparison to where Alex Smith was on the Kansas city chiefs and those San Francisco teams. He is a playoff quarterback that is able to make plays for you. But you really, really, really don't want to fucking go, all right, Ryan, get in that gunfight. That's just not what you want. As long as you can maintain balance, there isn't any game Ryan Tannehill can't win you. Alex Smith is the same way. As long as you maintain balance, you will have a chance. The Cleveland Browns are literally one quarterback away from being the Tennessee Titans. They have big-time wide receivers. They have big-body tight ends. They actually have a healthy offensive line. They have two all-star running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Their problem is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a bottom, a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. And I think they get blown the fuck away this weekend. 
I think I'm go- we're going to see another 34-3 to score. I don't think Cleveland has a shot in fuck this weekend. Yeah, and like you, you normally say, every year is different. We can't take too much from last year and apply it to this year. But the Titans and Browns did play last year, and the Titans won 43-13. to uh, These rosters aren't too different from when they met last year, and so uh, I'm expecting a lot of the same, to be honest. Uh, yep. It's going to come down to the Titans' rush defense, and luckily for the Titans, the rush defense is much better than the pass defenses. And so uh, if they can make Baker one-dimensional or if they can make Cleveland's offense one-dimensional and make Baker throw the ball like you're saying, I like the Titans' chances a lot. Um, So we're going to see. It's going to be a lot of running the ball in that matchup. We're probably going to see 60 rush attempts You know, when when you combine both teams, a lot of play action. And so I'm, I'm hoping that the the Browns, they have one of the worst pass offenses in the league. Uh, I expect that to continue, and if it doesn't, then I'm going to be worried again next week about the Titans because if they can't stop Baker Mayfield, then the playoffs aren't going to be a pretty look. I um, I don't have any, I don't have any questions here. The, the Browns are not a good team. They've played a bunch of bad teams the whole year long. Uh, here are the teams they're racking up wins against. Um, Houston, the Philadelphia, Jacksonville, Cincinnati. They did beat Indy in the beginning of the year, but we don't really know what to make of Indy. They beat Dallas. They beat Washington. They beat Cincy again. They just haven't played anyone worth a lick. Now, they're going to finish. This is who Cleveland finishes their schedule with this year. Tennessee, Baltimore, the Giants, the Jets, and then Pittsburgh. Uh, The Despite being eight and three right now, ten and six I think is where they're going to finish, and I think ten and six is right. You know the thing with the Steelers is the Kansas City has one fucking loss. So um, if 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 Cleveland, Cleveland and Pittsburgh play at the end of the year, Pittsburgh doesn't win that game. I don't know all the tiebreakers, but you'll basically be down to you both lost a division game in the AFC, so it probably comes down to like opponents. Neither one of you have played like opponents, so you're going to then go, I think it goes to point, and then Pittsburgh would lose it. So Pittsburgh's got to win out, basically, to keep that one seed, and that's going to stop the Browns from even really having a chance. So uh, I don't really see the Bra- the Browns making it through. I honestly don't think the Browns are that good of a team. They just haven't played anybody. And any Do time- the Browns make the playoffs this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they'll get 10 wins. They have the Giants and the Jets. They'll get 10 wins. Um, and, and look, if the Ravens if the Ravens' interior of their defense isn't back and ready to go for that game, they're going to struggle with them as well because the, the Browns just want to do what the Titans do. We want to run the ball. We want to run the ball all day long. Now, if you, now the, the Titans have the ability to go, well, if you're going to play the run, I'm going to throw the ball to A.J. Brown 10 times in a game, and he's going to get 130 yards, and that's going to suck for you. Baker Mayfield doesn't, cannot operate an offense like that. He couldn't feed Odell when it was Odell and Landry. Now it's just Landry. And, you know, since Odell's got hurt, remember there was all that talk that, oh, well, now that he's hurt, now that he's hurt, maybe, maybe there's some, maybe there's some magic 
Maybe, maybe there's a, you know, maybe they can, maybe Baker will be better without the pressure. Well, here's how many points they've scored. They scored six points against the Raiders. They scored seven points against Houston. They scored 22 against Philly, just 22. And they scored 27 in a 27 to 25 win against Jacksonville last week. You're not any good. <laughs> like, you're no, just. They, they had to fight to win that game against Jacksonville. And you really shouldn't be doing that. All right, let's flip over the next big game of the week. Rams Cardinals Rams Cardinals uh, this is kind of a uh, I, I don't want to say it's a do or die or a must win but it does feel like a must win doesn't it I mean we're kind of late in the year these two teams have both kind of been a little rocky uh, the whole division isn't going to send everybody the Rams what do you do here I mean either team that loses this is going to be looking up going well fuck do I have to win out to make the playoffs and I think you I think you do who do you got in this matchup? I think this is the creme de la creme matchup of the weekend. My brain says to take the Rams. Uh, Sean McVay 6-0 against the Cardinals in his career, so I've, he's never lost to them. But my heart says that the Cardinals are going to come out and really put up a fight because falling to 6-6, six and six, especially in this division, right now the division's wide open. Seattle mm. hasn't run away just yet. Uh, you, you could still run them down. And so... They need this win badly. You can't fall to six and six the way this division's going, and let the Rams go to go to eight and four. Uh, what I'm concerned about though is Kyler Murray's shoulder. Ah, uh, he hurt his shoulder two weeks ago, and last week it didn't look good. Uh, the game that he hurt it in, it didn't look good. Uh, I'm scared for him, and I know that he's saying he's fine, and you know he's gonna play through it. He's a tough guy, all that, and that's great, but. If there's something wrong with his throwing shoulder, then that's a problem for them. And so that if if he can't throw the ball the way he throws the ball uh, on Sunday, then the Rams are going to win this by 20. Yeah, and let me let me throw a little extra on there. Um, I did you watch how the Patriots played them? It's a very interesting game with the Cardinals. The Patriots basically said we're not going to rush Kyler Murray. We are going to stand in the throwing lanes and just raise our arms, which is, I don't know, exactly what I fucking said his problem would be, that he can't see. And now that he's banged up, you know what they said? If you just keep Kyler Murray in the pocket and put your arms up, he can't fucking throw because he can't fucking see. These are Kyler Murray's numbers on the year. And, and remember, there was a lot of MVP talk for Kyler Murray. Right? I said there's no chance he wins the MVP. That's what I said. Everyone got hot on it, that this could happen. I said, no, can't happen. People want to ignore me. That's fine. Um, you're going to find that when it comes to the MVP, this stuff is pretty mathematical. So let's take a look at Kyler Murray's numbers. He's completing, it uh, looks like 60-some percent. He's got 2,800 yards, 19 throwing touchdowns, 9 interceptions. That's not MVP anywhere near fucking MVP. That's not even fucking close. Like, your two-for-one touchdown to interception ratio, I think Patrick Mahomes was touched on interception ratio, and it was like 25 to one, literally. No, Mahomes is ridiculous. What's he at, like 30, 33 touchdowns to one pick? One pick. Okay, so, you know, your MVP, 30 and two. He's got a 15 to one, okay? Uh, with 3,400, 3,500 yards uh, passing. Um, so, you know, and, and Mahomes also has a rushing touchdown and 215 uh, rushing yards. 
Right. I know we're not doing MVP right now, but I feel like Mahomes has pretty much got it locked up unless he falls on his face in the next couple weeks. Mahomes does have it locked up, and that's part of one of the packages that I put together, right? I said this is probably your best package. Uh, If you put Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson together, you get like two-to-one money uh, at your worst. And you got all three of them if you did it. So you you got Mahomes. Lamar is out of it. Um, but the top two right now are pa- uh, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron fucking Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is 25 to 1. So if something happens where Mahomes gets hurt, Aaron Rodgers moves in the driver's seat, you're still in a good spot. All these other quarterbacks that were fun window dressing were actually had no chance. And now that we're almost 70, we're 75% of the way through the season, almost, you realize you have no chance it was foolish money. Kyler Murray was fun to think about. But he can't throw over the fucking pocket. He can't see over the fucking line. And as teams start to go, we'll just stop him from running. I think the Rams win this game. I don't think that the Cardinals are well coached enough to take advantage of Jared Goff. And because of that, they're going to go Jalen Ramsey on DeAndre Hopkins. And you can just kiss DeAndre Hopkins goodbye for most of the game. Aaron Donald's going to absolutely hound fucking Kyler Murray. And if Kyler Murray's hurt, look, I said, and I, I know this is a out there take and I can have some pretty fucking out there takes but I said that I could see a world where Kyler Murray leaves football and goes to baseball especially after getting beat up I think that's a little far I think I even for myself it's a little far-fetched but you know we're starting to see those numbers decline and we're starting to see that here's the last four weeks for the Cardinals ready they come out of a bye they come out of a bye the Arizona Cardinals come out of a bye they get beat by Miami. They then turn around and beat the Bills by two points. Solid win. You lose to Seattle, you lose New England. So out of a bye, you're three, you're one and three. This is a team that I think is actually on the verge of uh, crisis mode. Here's how they end the year. And it ain't easy for them. Here's their end of the year. Rams, Giants, Philly. Okay, two games in there you should win. San Francisco. San Francisco already beat you. And then the Rams again tough slate they're six and five now i think the cardinals the team don't make the playoffs as i'm looking at it right now uh, i'm i'm out on them yeah it hasn't looked good lately and, and in the first half of the season it did look great kyler was he was connected on the deep balls he was getting freaky on the run but now i don't even see him running that much at least the last couple weeks i haven't been seeing him run as much and the bum shoulder is not going to help the the issue with seeing over the line if he does see someone and he's got a bum shoulder he might still miss him so i don't feel great about the cardinals either i think if if i'm putting money on this one it's probably going to be on the rams yep and and it was rams minus three so it's a good line i'll be on that let's flip now last game of the week that we're going to cover the kind of a marquee game we get a Monday night game. San Francisco's playing in Arizona, not because they're playing the Cardinals, but because San Francisco has closed down physical contact sports. They are all the way over, and they are in San Fran- they're in Arizona to play Josh Allen, another another wildly popular MVP guy. Uh, Josh Allen to play San Francisco on Monday night. Pretty good game. What are you expecting? I don't ever expect much from uh, who's their starting quarterback, Mullins. Yeah, Nicky. Yeah, yeah, I'm never expecting too much from Nick Mullins. Uh, I think that, honestly, it's probably always a safe bet to bet against Nick Mullins. Yeah. Um, 
and so that's probably what I'm going to do. I know the Bills aren't good on Monday night. They've actually lost their last four Monday night games. I guess Josh Allen isn't great under the bright lights. Um, no shit. The, I'm sorry? I said no shit. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I expect the Bills to win this one in a blowout. I don't think that this is going to be a very good game to watch. I know that the 49ers are starting to get healthy on offense. You saw Debo Samuel go crazy last week. Um Oh, you know, maybe they can put some things together and look decent. They finally got Mostert back. They're starting to get their pieces. But, again, I'm never counting on Mullins to, to do big things. And so if the Bills are going to be for real at 8-3, I'm expecting the Bills to come out and win, like, 31-13 or something like that. I think, overall, when you go up against Kyle Shanahan... Uh, he is a fucking great coach, and they are getting healthier. I, I this game's a pick 'em essentially. It's San Fran plus one. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what Kyle Shanahan schemes up for Josh Allen. As I've said with Josh Allen, there are multiple times a game you can literally watch his brain completely stop working. You can see it. That it's like a deer in a headlights panic. Now, the interesting thing about this deer in the headlights is most people get frozen, right? That's the typical saying. For me, you can see the frozenness in his his head, but his body keeps fucking moving. And the problem is his body does dumb shit because the brain's off. Uh, Josh Allen this year, what has he got? One, four, seven, eight picks? Is it eight fucking picks? He's got eight picks. He's got... Uh, Four fumbles lost. He has even more fumbles uh, himself. He's uh, he is just. I think he's got. I think he's got nine total loss or total fumbles, and then uh, most uh, four of them have four of them have been lost. The guy's got thirteen total turnovers. He's he's liable to give the ball up once a game, sometimes twice. That's just not where you want your fucking winning quarterback to be. You can't have games where he's turning the ball over. And here we go, primetime game, and they're going to get a chance to either stamp themselves as the division winners. I think at that point it's just rest as gravy. Um, Or you're going to see Josh Allen get exposed on a big screen. I'm going to be voting for Josh Allen to be exposed on a big screen. Once again, another person that I said, look, this guy just doesn't have it. Um, Now, look, he's a serviceable quarterback. I think that could regress some as the year goes. I think as teams start figuring out this offense, uh, which I feel like they have, uh, that they're going to be able to drive it down. If you take away... Uh, If you take away that Seattle game where Seattle just refused to do anything since week five, we haven't really seen Josh Allen have that monster game. His best game probably is uh, they beat uh, the New York Jets where he had 307 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but did lose a fumble. So uh, I just don't think that they really he's really the guy for them. Um, and I think you're going to find that out more and more. And I think the bright lights are going to expose him, not just the Bills, but Josh Allen particularly. I'm not mad at that. Like I said, they've lost four straight on Monday night. So if they lose five straight, I, you know, we can't sit here and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Yeah. You know, so right. <laughs> you, you, you might have a point there. Exactly. And the one thing I like more about that, the over under is 48. 
uh, I'll probably be looking into that a little more. All right, any parting words before we get out of here? I actually do have one more thing that I want to hit before we get out of here. Like we do. said at the beginning of the season, if there was one player that's not a quarterback that might be able to win MVP this season, I, I think we agreed that it would be Derrick Henry. Do you think that it's possible? Let's Let's put on your hypothetical cap real quick. Let's say the Titans run the table... Derrick Henry's sitting around 1,300 yards right now. Let's say he ends up around 18, 1,900 yards, around 18 touchdowns. If Mahomes slips just a little bit, do you think that there's a window for Derrick Henry to slide in there if he puts on a couple of dominant performances to end the season? Well, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, as we get closer and closer to the end of the year, we are looking at two people. You know, people are talking about Dalvin Cook and they're talking about Derrick Henry as being the, you know, wild card MVPs, of course. The only problem is Mahomes and Rodgers just, it's just not close. Like, um, will he get votes? Yeah, yeah, he will. He should get some of those, you know. Uh, well, in the NFL, it's one vote, right? So I don't think he'll get any. Well, you know, Michael Thomas was what, like fourth last year, and you were like, oh, that's cute. That's kind of where you're gonna. Here's here's how it ran, here's how I believe it'll rank down. Mahomes one, Rogers two, Henry three, and that's the right order. That's the right order. I'll right. take it. I'm just wondering if there's any way. No. Like, if, what would Derrick Henry have to do to win MVP? It's too late. It's too late. Too late. Too late. Um, the problem is, like we said, Mahomes is 30 touchdowns and two picks. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> like, like Aaron, Ra- like, uh, j- you know, uh, it's funny if you type in Aaron, the, the t- it's Aaron Jones, Aaron Donald, then Aaron Rodgers who pops up, which is weird as shit. Um, but, you know, you just... You just have a tough time going. Well, let okay, so here's the scenario. Mahomes gets hurt, Rodgers gets hurt in the next two weeks, Derrick Henry can take over. Okay, that's that's your narrative, right? Titans win out, they go thirteen and three, Derrick Henry wins the MVP. Now, I would love that. I would just love that because I don't think you could get any more on fire when it comes to determining how an MVP race will go. Um, basically had the two winners till they got hurt. Now, I had Ezekiel Elliott, but I had no problem with Derrick Henry if you wanted to go that direction. But when we look at Rodgers this year, Rodgers has four picks, and it, I mean, you're just just really, really, really going to have to overcome that. 33 touchdowns for Rodgers, four picks. Yeah, yeah, when you break down the numbers, there's not really too much. Oh, Christ. 33 and 4. Mahomes is 30 and 2. If Mahomes makes it to week 17, he's going to win the MVP. <laughs> Watching him play football is a treat. I, I Sometimes I just, you sit there in awe because yeah. you're looking at the way the defense is playing him. And even when the defense is perfect, he'll still hit you with the weird ass rollout with the pump fake, throw it across his body, and get. 45 yards. <laughs> yeah, and I made this comparison a couple times. I'm going to tell you, the player that Patrick Mahomes reminds me the most of is a young, big Ben. That, I, I, that no, he just look exactly like fucking big Ben. Now, here's where they differ. Patrick Mahomes rolls out of the pocket and evades pressure. Right, and then extends plays like you said. You have a perfect defense. He escapes pressure, evades plays, makes this crazy throw, and you're like, "Son of a fucking bitch!" Right? You just know it too. You know once you like you count in your head. All right, two seconds, 
three seconds. Are we at Patrick Mahomes? No. Fuck. Okay, four seconds. We're at Patrick Mahomes. Fuck. He's out of it. And as soon as he gets out of that, you go, fuck, 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 fuck. Because you know he's going to kill you. You know it. You know it. Ben, That's exactly what happened in the AFC Championship to the Titans. Yep. Uh, there was a critical drive at the end of the first half, like right at the end of the first half, where I'm thinking, all right, if we can hold them to a field goal here, we're looking good. And then Mahomes breaks two tackles in the backfield. He rolls out. He, he jukes out the corner. He does another spin move, and he scores a touchdown. And it's yep. like, all right, well, that's probably game. Yep. I, look, I used to watch Ben, who's, you know, Ben's got two Super Bowl rings, okay? Uh, I, I used to watch Ben and go, fuck. You know, you, we would hit him, and he would throw the guy to the ground and then run outside of the pocket, and you're like, Fuck! And he would, and he could chuck the ball anywhere on the field at any point in time. Laser. Now he didn't have all the arm angles, okay, and that's fine. But I, the way that uh, Patrick Mahomes scares me is the same way that Ben scared me. He can extend the play, and if he extends the play, you're fucking dead. Big Ben did it because he was a big bastard. Mahomes does it because he's agile. They're two different in that set, but they both scare me the exact same way. As someone who lived, is still living through fucking Ben Roethlisberger, there are throws that Ben makes that you go, that's just so fucking silly, athletically. And then there are throws he makes where you go, God, that's just so smart. Like, God, he just knew where you'd be, threw the ball so early. Uh, it's the, the, the game that ended the Steelers game yesterday where he lobbed that ball to Deontay Johnson who went up in the air and got it, right? Yeah. Okay, that ball was thrown before Deontay even broke his route and was turned around. Where did it go? Exactly where it needed to. At the perfect time. That was not an athletic move. It was just super fucking smart. So that's the fucking thing that Mahomes does. Ben did the same shit. I look at Ben and I go, God damn, you big son of a bitch. I mean, we would hit him with two by fours and he would get up and throw for a touchdown. You just... They're, they both will break your back with getting out of the pocket, but they don't need to do that. They can stand in there and kill you. But what sets them apart, Brady had no escapability. Manning had no escapability. Now, they were geniuses with incredible arms in the pocket, which both of these other quarterbacks are as well. They can just also extend the play, and that's where you get fucked. So for me... Derrick Henry has a chance if Mahomes and Rodgers get hurt. This is about where I thought a running back could get to, and and, and now we're and and now we're kind of rounding it down. Uh, if Derrick Henry could, if Derrick Henry could get, if Derrick Henry could break the rushing title, which I think we had a tweet earlier in the year, and I said he might be able to do this year. If he could break the rushing title, then he'd have a legit legit shot. But I think he needs another thousand five hundred yards in five games. And that's. Do we? What's the uh, rushing record? Do we know offhand? Um, let me see. I can look it up. I got it. Okay. And that's what's really going to be the problem with him is is can he bridge that gap? Can Mahomes and everyone else get hurt? Um, he's you know twenty one hundred yards or two uh, thousand one hundred and five yards is the record. Henry right now is sitting around thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred. So you'd need about eight hundred ish yards. Eight hundred yards. You have five games left. It's not completely out of there, but if he has a game below a hundred and, I mean, each game he has to have over one hundred and fifty yards. 
Yeah, no, one of these games would have to be a massive, like, 270, you know, some ridiculous. You're playing Jacksonville. He hasn't, his best games all time are all Jacksonville, I feel like. Um, Yeah, he's from right outside of Jacksonville, so anytime he plays them, I think he's got that hometown thing going on. Yeah, and that makes sense. Now, here's something funny. Pro football reference. Uh, (laughs) Next to Derrick Henry's name. This is Derek Lamar Henry, Tractorcito. Yeah, that's his nickname. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was I don't King know Henry. The, uh, uh, the Tractorcito, I'm guessing, is just mini tractor, but I, yeah. I think that one started in high school or something like that. Okay. I, I don't know the full story, but yes, that is his nickname. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I've really never heard that. That's. I, you're only going to hear that from Titans fans. Like, okay. I'll see it on the Titans blogs and stuff like that, but the, the national guys don't really. Yeah, it's everyone King just calls him King Henry. Okay. All right. Glad we got that straightened out. All right. We're getting out of here. You can find me, Pick and Play 37, on Twitter. You can find Leo, Pick and Scroll. Um, we will be back with an NBA and NFL pod next week. Please remember, rate, subscribe, review. And, Leo, I will see you in sunny Florida soon. I will see you in hey, sunny Florida. See you in a few days, my friend. I know. All right. You take care, everyone out there. Stay safe during this pandemic. I'll be traveling very safe. Got my hand sanitizer, got my mask, got my gloves. I'm ready to fucking go. Um, So we'll do it as best we can. Sometimes life gets in the way and you got to travel. So that's just the way we're going to do it. Uh, Everyone out there, we appreciate you listening. Everyone around the world. And as always, reach out to us if you have questions, insights, information. Take care.